Welcome to the Self-Helpful Podcast. I'm Kevin Miller. I hunt for the latest and greatest authors and experts in self-help and ask them the candid and in-depth questions I'm curious about for my own growth. I bring these conversation series to you so we can learn and grow together. Hey, this is my functional Friday episode where we focus on our health and wellness so we have the ability and capacity to pursue all we desire. And today we're discussing the sensitive, actually volatile topic of our health and wellness being our fault. I mean, hey, your genetics matter. You could be born with a severe deformity. I mean, you could have been dealt a bad hand, which means you must do harder and more work than someone else to be at your best capacity. And your best capacity might be less than someone else's or even the norm. The good news here, however, and the point of the show is simply how much power and control we do have over our health and wellness. And why did we get to the place culturally of, of not wanting control and responsibility for our health? I mean, would you rather know you have significant power to help yourself and feel better and be better or not? And also the biggest area of blame most of us have regarding our health and wellness is simply ignorance. We don't know what we don't know. But again, that's great news. Doesn't mean we're stupid. We're capable of learning and figuring things out. So I encourage you to brave up and listen to this episode and you may very well find a new level of hope and confidence in helping you feel and perform better so you can do what you want to do. If you find value from this self-helpful podcast, leave a review. Be great if you leave it about this specific or a specific episode. Best thing you can do that would bless us and everyone is just share something you learned. Talk about it today uh, with someone you care about and it'll elevate both of your experience. You can find me at my website or social media at kevinmiller.co. Next up, join me and my co-host, Randy James, medical doctor, functional medicine expert, and my dear friend, but who also always co-hosts these Functional Fridays with me as we discuss this great news of our health being primarily our own fault. Okay, well, as I started off in the in the intro, you know, I leading with that title of is your health your your fault? That's um, you know, slippery slope there. And the point that we're endeavoring to hit on this show is that you want it to be. So stick with us on that, folks. But I wanted to start off, Randy, and just addressing what you and I have talked about for ever is the massive sensitivity there is in this issue. And you talked about it, not to make this a, a religious you know, aspect, but in church. So in church, somebody, well, you say it, you tell the story, oh, yeah. you're pondering. Well, I remember the, I remember it well, the very first day that my wife and I had made a decision and said, okay, we've, we've got a son. I think he was about four at the time. And there was a significant medical issue. I had done the labs. It was clear. And, you know, there is a food sensitivity. And that was, uh, we reviewed it together on a Saturday afternoon. And on that Sunday morning, it was dads and dryers. So ice cream. Oh, Father's Day was there. And so the acknowledgement of fathers and all that in a celebratory way was with ice cream. And so I looked at my wife and it's either we either yesterday we said okay and the the phrase i said was we have to declare war on this mm -hmm. it's it's a no ifs ands or buts mm -hmm. and then it hit us that next morning it's like well did we mean it or are we going to go we'll start tomorrow we'll start tomorrow we'll start tomorrow and so 
out the door we went, and of course I'm you know pulling my kid who's now crying. So it was hard. There's trauma there. And nobody in the church, you know, our friends, like, what's going on? Don't understand. And it's just a little ice cream. And, you know, so we felt it. And then after that, you know, that's 10 years ago. So talking with a lot of people. And when I start to kind of make fun of that situation, and, and there's always the, the potlucks and the, the chili cook-offs and, and all, the, all of those church kind of things, and, and now there's this undercurrent of many people who are like, oh, yeah, you're one of the gluten freeze or dairy freezer, mm-hmm. a food problem person. And, and so it's, it's, we're problems. You, you become a problem. Well, you are, yeah, you are. And you know, I've got a kid and we'll talk about genetics here in a moment. The, the thing that we often want to blame and, and there is some aspect of that. So I've got a kid, as you know, who, uh, our, our youngest who's adopted, who has some propensity, some problems with sugar on dealing with sugar. Um, and yeah, we go to the church that I infrequently attend and there's donuts. I mean, it's just comical. It's, it's, it's the consummate joke and there's, and we look at it as a drug. It's a drug. Why not have cigarettes out there? <laughs> right. And a beer. Yeah. It, you know what? And, and the guy can say, well, it's not two beers. I'm cutting down. It's, uh-huh. it's, you're helping me. And we're sitting here, you know, three days before Christmas. And last week was a call, a convicting call. Hey folks, we need 100 dozen cookies. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. Well, and the biggest thing is, of course, why, why do you, you know, church is, is in between lunch and breakfast. Why do they need food there anyways? Is the biggest question. And if you're going to put food, why not life giving food, you know, put some salad greens or something, <laughs> but why does there need food? Well, but then, and then to bring this home too was, and I'll never forget you lamenting about it as this is your filter as a doctor as a functional medicine expert and saying go again not to make it about church but just as a great muse when you have somebody in a setting like that who's having financial problems you may pray for them uh maybe help them with their electricity bill whatever but if this goes on generally you know the church is pretty quick to say hey we have some financial help let's let's get you in a dave ramsey course a lot of people know dave ramsey let's get him and get him some tangible help and yet Health and health issues, I would say, trump financial issues in the church. If not, it's got to be real close there. And we pray and we pray and we pray and we pray. And when do we ever address any lifestyle design, any causality, which is what we're talking about in this show? And we don't. And as you said, you know, we pray for Sister Mary and her backs out again, then we send her out in the foyer. To the cookies and donuts. And where is there any help? Why wouldn't we say, hey, we have a a doctor or we have a class that can help look at, you know, what's happening in your life and see if there's anything. And so why is there so much blame around this? Why is it the taboo thing that none of us want to be accountable? And in today's world, it seems like by far and large, we want to say, oh, it's just genetics. And yet here in America, our rates of everything, chronic illness, disease, obesity, whatever, is by far and large, I think overall, is dramatically uh, higher than any other place. We're growing this stuff. So are we just the unluckiest nation with the worst genetics on planet Earth? 
Well, no. And, and I mean, we've got, this was in a, a Randy, this was like uh, within the past 30 days, a Dr. Oz, a lot of people know him. And he wrote an article and just in that was citing about half of American adults, 117 million individuals have one or more preventable chronic diseases. This is his words, many of which are related to poor quality eating patterns and physical inactivity. If we look at that right there and to say, look, this isn't about blame because I have my own story and you know it. And I'll call it ignorance. I, I wasn't. I wasn't being bad. I wasn't being stupid. I just was unaware uh, of some of my patterns, the things that I'm doing that were causing me harm. That, gosh, some of them came to light. A lot of them through work with you and auditing my lifestyle. Gosh, what's what am I doing that's contributing to my uh, lack of health? And what can I do to contribute towards that? And and there we are to the point of saying we are. I don't know, I'm going to make you, I'm going to put you on the spot and we are, you know, our health, maybe it's not fair to say it's a hundred percent on us because there is some genetic stuff. Sure. There, and propensities. there's right. Like so genetics, we say, look, it's predisposition. It's predisposition. never predestination. You okay. are not, some things are hardwired in. You're a male, you know, you're a Caucasian guy though. You're this tall. You, it doesn't matter what you eat. Those things are going to be the same. But the way I like to explain it is. 25% of you is hardwired, but 75% of you is softwired, meaning it depends okay. on, on the environment. And there again, so we, in some of our shows in the past, we talked about, well, somebody who, who grows up in a city, you're going to be breathing more polluted air. Well, can they help that? Is there a thing to do? Is that their fault? And so I think that's the, sort of the backlash heart thing is we're looking out over a, a typical American, uh, either a congregation or a football stadium full of people. And, the, and there's 50% of people there have at least one diagnosis. And my phraseology is always to say, look, if you're close to 40, then it's pretty normal for you to be either overweight, have a little bit of high blood pressure, a little bit of high cholesterol, uh, or a little bit of depression. I mean, these, these are the, it's normal. Mm -hmm. And it ha we have normalized that in this country, and therefore, when you then start to say, okay, where's the blame? Where's the fault? Some of it is genetics, and I would argue a very small percentage of it. Some of it is environmental, and I would argue a percentage. We, we just aren't going to be able to know, and it's going to be so variable. And I would argue the biggest percentage is as a consequence of your personal choices. And that feels bad to say. It 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 just feels bad. Okay, well, well let me let me soften it then to say because we talk about genetics, and I think that word is probably used in uh, errant ways to say you know literal genetics. That a lot of times what we're talking about in truth is this is a part of my family upbringing. This was our these were our traditions. These were our habits. This is what we did. Well, it, can I just say yeah. the nature nurture okay. Bait. Right. Okay. So, so that, so you grew up, you didn't have any choice. You know, your parents gave you what you, right. gave, the school gave you whatever, right. and you developed uh, things as a result of that. I don't know what it was in my history, or maybe it was even before that. It was my parents' history that they, uh, you know, through conception, I got, why do I have a problem with corn? You don't. Um, right. Why do I have a problem with, with, with beans? 
I mean, it's, it's, you don't, well, you don't have a problem with anything. Um, <laughs> you sicken me. I do. I, I have, a, I have a good number of, of food sensitivities that again, I can eat them. It doesn't mean I'm more sensitive overall than the next person, but if I want less symptoms and higher performance, I'm avoiding those things so I can be as top notch as I possibly can. You don't seem to have to be. Well, no, for, for me, it would be even worse. I would argue the huh. gluten and dairy that those things would be my dairy especially and i grew up i was nurtured with a physician father who didn't know was unaware and plied me full of milk because it does a body good <laughs> so it's the national dairy council <laughs> it's, it's yeah. and and i grew up with the four basic food groups yeah. so the school so this was the nurturing it wasn't fact it was culture it was all of those kinds of things and 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 at you know I'm grateful now that I had a father who's thinking well gosh this doesn't make sense and uh, so and and now these days I think yes I've healed from many of those things and can handle a bowl of ice cream and but I don't do it like we did back then yeah and it's very different and and everybody so here we are back to that idea that everybody out there is going to be on the scale of sensitivity super sensitive or not super sensitive technically to everything. Right, and it mm-hmm. just is a matter of well, what's the dose level? Like we could, if you're not allergic to cats, I bet if we took a cat and shoved it up your nose, you would sneeze, <laughs> right? So, um, or the sensitivity level, mm-hmm. and 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 that sensitivity level, I'd say, okay, that's more genetically predisposed. Yeah, people are born with a predisposition towards sensitivity, and if they done didn't know they were sensitive to cats, and they grew up in a cat world then they just have these symptoms and you would and then we go to them and say well it's your fault you're sneezing all the time because you got all these cats around yeah. and they're like well what are you talking about you're blaming me so it's the mixture of that yeah. and that's where a few shows ago we said the focus on a relationship and talk even your relationship with yourself so it's not a blame game it and that's what we're talking about today it's a intelligence within you with wisdom to say okay there is something out there that I can manipulate, control, influence to help me to feel better. And that's the good news. Ultimately, that's what we're talking about. Who of us does not want to be in control of you know the positive outcomes that we want in our life? So my muse on this, and I made a little reference to it in the intro. Uh, so in, in Ziegler Show, my other podcast, 743, my guest was Dr. Lee Warren. He's a neurosurgeon. He wrote a book called I've Seen the End of You. And in the book, and I pulled this out, we talked about it in the show. He said, not to diminish the sadness, but it is, but is it a true accident if someone is hurt because he drives under the influence or doesn't wear a seatbelt uh, or someone falls off a balcony and breaks their neck while high on meth? Uh, an injury co-joined with some aspect of preventability, causation, or intentionality. So he made that, and I came back and asked him. I said, okay, so you're looking at the people that he deals with uh, head traumas and, and, you know, illnesses or whatever as a brain surgeon. And I said, and I wasn't expecting the, the answer that he gave. I said, where do you see better patient outcomes or, 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 or more hope, I guess, um, you know, more positive results when somebody has a cause has something to blame or even when, if it's their own fault. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or if it's just random and of course his muse uh, was uh, the glioblastoma thank you which is a brain cancer which has in his 
experience is about a hundred percent chance you're going to die. So that feels like and, a lot. But li- the other thing is there's no known cause. It's, it's, they can't figure out if it's genetic or is it environmental. It's just a random, there's no pattern to glioblastoma. So it's, it feels random. So kind of like the family that we know, they had 12 kids and one of them's out playing soccer right here in town and lightning comes boom. down, all the kids in the field, boom, he gets hit and there's no, so he's talking about glioblastoma as that uh, lightning strike, lightning almost, strike. Yeah. And he says what he has found over his, you know, how many thousands of surgeries or whatever is that people tend to deal with it better when there's a causality to, to point to, even if it's their own, you know, their own doing so, other than I was going to not luck. Okay. Th- even the guy who's drunk uh-huh. and, 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 and the fault part of it is something that, that feels so, ugh, so bad. That guy also does better as he's, healing from this injury compared to the random lightning strike guy not, over here. Not only the guy, but the, uh, and of course he's talking a lot about the guy's family as well. Right. Look they deal with it better. Yeah. To see the, to see, you know, uncle Bob and he, he dies, but you know, he had some things that, that probably caused that or, or right. whatever. He worked in a, you know, chemical right. mill or whatever. Other than there's no, no rhyme or reason that people had such a harder time when there's just nothing. He just got downright unlucky and that seems unfair and god why do you do right. this when it's out there that just blew my mind and that's what was the impetus for the show because i know in watching you with however many hundreds thousands whatever patients over the past five years that's in the question that i brought to you and said where because we've had people who have really have a hard time taking any responsibility blame whatever for their health and they're just saying i just got the luck uh, i got a bad card dealt and I have XYZ chronic illness and pain. And if they believe that it's just that, that they have no, there is no causality, which means that, that there's maybe nothing they can do to help it. Where do they go? I mean, that's the worst diagnosis to say, well, you're just, you know, poor you. Right. That in, in, in fact, I'm, I'm thinking about this through the lens of, of cancer, which also feels like one of those, but most people, you know, there are a whole lot of, you know, what's the, if, if they, if there's nothing, and this is so genetics, if, because we are taught, you know, I have high blood pressure and so often people will say, well, my dad did, my brother does. And I'm like, well, poor you, what are we going to do about that? You can't change your genetics. You can't. And if the mentality is I was born this way, then the, the easy, best possible thing to do is, well, take a pill and drive on and hope for the best. Okay, well, let me ask you this uh, again to put you on the spot with this. So, generally, blood, and I'm not, you know, I'm not the medical expert here. So, take blood, high blood pressure, and you've got some guy who says, Yeah, my dad had it, my grandpa had it. Uh, How much, again, coming back, well, you said 2575, because my thought is chances are his grandfather lived a lifestyle, ate these things, uh, had whatever much activity as far as being or, or sedentaryism. How can we say that? Um, and, and his father adopted those lifestyle patterns and diet and whatever he did. And they're just passing down the same traits. And because my guess is if I was just randomly asked that in our culture, that's where the majority of it is. And I know it has been for my life. I, you know, did what I did because I was brought up that way and I was in a culture and in a school and in a mm-hmm. town and whatever. And I don't know, this is what I, I did. And, you know, now my kids are getting what I pass on to them. Uh, anyways, but, but back to that of, of how often 
And we're back to the thing of genetics. And I guess maybe you answer that 2575 is kind of what you've come to. Yeah, it's so ultimately it's unanswerable. Well, sure. And when you think about your grandpa and the great grandpa and all that kind of stuff, then the question is, yeah, well, where did the hypertension begin? Because mm-hmm. you go back far enough and these guys are not eating processed food. There's way less pollution. They're, they're exercising. They're doing whatever. And, and I would say, yeah, that's a great question. And so there's been actually a lot of research into the idea of where did chronic disease begin? And so, and this is reaching way back in time for me to, to remember these things. And, and as I recall, there have been uh, studies done on the Egyptian mummies. Mm-hmm. And you can find cavities, you can find atherosclerosis, uh, you can, so you can find evidence of chronic disease. Now, of course, we can't look at the common man back then because they weren't mummied, uh, but there's evidence there. And you look back at ancient textbooks, and there's most of the illnesses that we see today are mentioned, but they're rare. They're the one-offs. And of course, back then, the things that killed people was disease and, and plagues and illnesses and those kind of things, mostly from lack of hygiene and, and, and exposure to the weather and those kinds of things. So here we are today, and our mindset has been, oh, aren't we brilliant? We can now get ourselves inside the house. We give ourselves shots. We, we have clean water. And, and yes, all of that stuff is brilliant, but now why do people die? And it's all of these other things, and the, the modern mind says, Oh, this this would have happened way back then, but people didn't live long enough to catch diabetes and yeah. cancer and those kinds of things, and that's just not true. So these things have always been around, and so now thinking back to the genetics, um, and maybe the the best one is breast cancer, where if you go back a generation, so now it's one in eight, one in nine women. And you go to their moms, so that's kind of our moms, so you know people who are in their 70s or so. And for them, uh, that generation was about 1 in 20 maybe, and you go another thing, and it goes to 1 in way less or 1 in way more, meaning that's not a genetic pattern. Yeah, That is, we all can get cancer, but then when you take these people and put them in the environment that we see today, that we talk about all the time, where there's way more stress and less stress management and the sleep is down and the hydration's down and your nutrients are down and all of those kind of things are in this gamish, like you just said, I just grew up this way, yeah. then things start to happen. And now the next, and as society changes, so this next generation, Gen Millennials and Gen Z, the new X factor is the online world. And, you know, we're all under 5G and EMF and a thousand other things that, you know, we just, no humans have ever been under that. And we'll see what happens. Well, in coming to this, as I'm looking across the street at at McDonald's, I mean, there is the reality, the reality, it's my uh, evidence-based. Can I, can I say that? But we know that you take the next 10 people who go into line, no matter what their age, their gender, their size, their background, their genetics, their whatever chances are that we could follow in the functional medicine, you know, pillars here that we could put them on a really good, uh, healthy plan, you know, try to find what fits them well, but put them right. on and improve their health. And I think that's the thing. Is there anyone where we can't 
improve their health. Like you always say, everyone can be a little bit better, a little bit better, even on your deathbed. So I, yeah, the answer yeah. you know to that is no. Yes, everybody <laughs> can be improved. And that's exciting. That's the good news. That's the good news. That's what we were talking before about. That's looking forward. There's always something you can do. And what I'm learning from you today and Dr. Warren is if we look backwards and then actually have the intellectual assent to the idea that, wait a minute, some of my problem is my fault, Uh just by definition, that is actually a good thing. I can do something rather than it's just, ugh. And fault sounds bad. Granted, that's why I use the term responsibility. It, responsibility. That's, that's it is my responsibility, and I have control over it because there are some things. I mean, I I like the word. I do like the word ignorant. That doesn't mean stupid. That means just lacking. You, in, you don't know what you don't know. I don't know what I now. I'd say it's my responsibility to figure out what well, you I don't, don't know. know. <laughs> and that's what you've always said. The most dangerous thing is we don't know what we don't know, and that's why you have people come and pay a good amount of money to get your guidance to put the puzzle pieces together because most of your patients, man, they are invested in their health and wellness. They're doing so many of the right things, and they're not getting the results. And, of course, that's why you are paid for your expertise to help them uh, put the pieces together. But, again, back to this thing of we're trying to instill hope in everyone, and while – It never feels good to take blame for something negative in our life. If the opposite is you have no control. Again, that's what we're coming back that Dr. Warren uh, tipped me off on. That's so much worse. And we've seen that when it comes to overall health and wellness. I mean, what about finances? If you thought, man, wherever you are now, you have, you, you, you don't and can never have control. You are stuck at $35,000 for the rest of your life. That's just your unlucky lot in life. Well, that stinks and nobody wants to accept that. Why would we over in health? And I feel like that's why I'm on the soapbox of this because having walked with you and so many patients in the clinic through this over the years, you see, man, there's nobody that you were not able to help get better to some degree. Now, there is the responsibility part, and we learn that, or I learned that at least, of seeing that, okay, you can see somebody, you can audit them, you can find some acute areas that you think you, you know, by your experience, you know, that they can be addressed. Now it's still on that person to do them. And there were, there's definitely plenty. Oh, I don't know how many people, not the minority, but there are people that, you know, months go by, they're not getting better. And you say, yeah, they're not doing what I'm telling them to do. In fact, which is all of us. It's, it's, right. That's what I was just going to say too. is that sometime uh, earlier this week and, and a woman, she said, you know, I dropped the ball. Yeah. And, and I, and I was like, well, and now it's, it's, we're back to the relational to look somebody in the eye and I and you know with care and concern because one of my pet peeves is we don't use the word non-compliant patient or compliancy or something like that like there's like there's a have to mm-hmm. we're back to what is true life what what symptoms do you have what performance do you want and this woman yeah. said yeah and and I could have said you know yeah you did it's your fault but it's I I, I said and it was it on me that I didn't say the right encouragement, the right word, the right glint in my eye to inspire you to take a step in this right direction. And I think if more docs had that conviction and and more patients had the conviction, then both, then the system is going to work better rather than what we've got now, where it's, you know, make a diagnosis, take a pill and and life goes on. Well, and that, which, you know, that makes you the doctor that you are. And I would say, yeah, talking about Dr. Lee Warren as a, as a neurosurgeon, he, both of you go way beyond the mechanics 
right. of your job into uh, the, the relationship inspirational side. Yeah. yeah he, he's trying to walk with people in their faith throughout this, these traumas and tragedy tragedies. You're saying, okay, here's the nuts and bolts of what I think we can do to address it. But you're taking on the responsibility of knowing you need to do your best to inspire that person to get to the root cause of their own motivation, which is why, as I've been on the other side of the wall, doing podcasts of personal development to 10, 000, tens of thousands of people, and you're doing it on the other side to one person, it's the same stuff. Right. It, and it's what we're all dealing with of going, okay, I want X, Y, Z. I don't want this. Well, here's what you should do. And here I am today, Kevin Miller, even after interviewing the best in meditation, I'm still not meditating and I'm just not. So there's my admission. Well, and you can tell us what you ate last Friday for your birthday. Friday for my birthday. Oh my gosh. The (laughs) amount of key lime pie I had. No, here's one. Yesterday, uh, kids, older, older sister took uh, the five youngers to uh, a movie, see the new frozen two. And afterwards, it's late and I've got to, you know, grab them and then run home. Cause I, I was going to meet up with her and pick them up, run home and make something. And, uh, instead I thought, I'll oh, give them the big treat that we rarely do taco bell. <laughs> so we got food through the window, which as uh, Michael Pollan says, if it comes through the window, it's not food. Yeah. Took it home. We ate that. I had one, I had a seven layer burrito. I haven't done it in eons. I just, my, I let my appetite go out the ah, whatever. It's been a while. I have, I cannot remember the last time I had worse sleep. It was literal insomnia. I mean, my oh. eyes were heavy and I just, my mind wouldn't stop. My tummy's gurgling. I uh, got up this morning. And so I got up at about five thirty, and then at man, like six fifteen, uh, my 15 year old Ian comes down. I'm like, dude, what are you, you know, it's Christmas break and stuff. What are you doing? He says, I just couldn't sleep all night. He says, I just, my brain was going, my, my tummy was rumbling. He says, I just, I've never got worse sleep. And he probably had seven. You know, some seven, seven layer burritos. No, well, we got some bean and cheese or something like that, but I'm, I'm grateful. And again, that's, you know, I hope that I'm grateful for that. Like you talked about the gift of pain that we are that sensitive, that we haven't numbed our body to kind of be at a, at a, at an average mediocrity. We're used to feeling good. And then we put something foreign in there and it lit up saying, Hey, we don't like this. And it would be a tragedy if you and Ian went through the night and the day saying, gosh, what is wrong with me? I cannot figure this out. And then get how the burrito. people wind up years later in my office. And then get the burrito the next day. Get well, the and, burrito again. And without going into the story, that's, you know, looking at a causality, I dealt, I don't think I've talked about it in the show, but I dealt with back pain that escalated and to where my back would, it's like it would dissolve. Um, and I'm, if anybody's had their back go out to the point where you can't breathe, I mean, you literally can't move. I was having that as, as like up to uh, three years ago. I can't remember how long, what the timeline has been. So here I am eating well, eating healthy as much as I knew and exercising and following functional medicine and on, you know, good supplements. And, and then this would happen out of the blue. And yet it didn't seem musculoskeletal musk. Did I say that right? Mm-hmm. Um, because within 48 hours, I'd be back and I could lift heavy weights. I'm thinking that doesn't, cause I've had mm-hmm. real back injuries that really were, um, uh, you know, chiropractic issues and whatever, uh, back then this just doesn't line up long story short, um, through talking with you and, and a nutritionist here. And it was just mentioned, you know, what are frequent foods? And it dawned on me that in my healthy food, my whole foods, I had been increasingly having peppers, a jar of pepper, the, uh, what are the yellow ones? Banana peppers and jalapenos. Literally, I'd have a couple jars with me at 
usually at lunch and at dinner and just help myself. I mean, I, the kids, you know, thought I was cool because I'd eat the hottest stuff, the ghost pepper or whatever. And I was just really enjoying it. Well, that's a nightshade. And it just dawned on me. It'd be like somebody going, gosh, I never realized I'm having a pack of cigarettes today. Again, mm-hmm. not, it's not that peppers are bad, but for me, it's a nightshade. I realized that took it out cold Turkey and boom, it hasn't happened. And it's been like three years now. So because of my personal makeup that caused inflammation in a place that may have to do with an old bike, you know, injury or something like that, that notched my back out and how much time had I spent. And I'm a big believer in chiropractic, but dealing with the skeletal part of it and muscles. And it wasn't that they couldn't help that they could help relieve it a little bit, but it thank wasn't goodness. getting right. Thank goodness that we kept going and trying to be a detective, help my ignorance, help your ignorance, <laughs> get to the root cause or root one cause. of them can't change your genetics. We can't, you can't go move to Texas and see if that helps. You, there's all kinds of things. The, the, the amount of variables are infinite, but that doesn't mean you give up and say, oh, well, you just keep leaning into that. Yeah. And let me juxtapose your story. And by the way, you did tell that story because you told it with about your dad and his relationship with sugar. Sugar, right, right, right. And, and juxtapose that with um, if anybody has seen Supersize Me. Yep. And do you remember what I called the scariest part of that show? Oh, yeah. When he normalized. He normalized. So this guy, for 30 days, he's going to eat every meal at McDonald's. And if they ask him, would you like to supersize that, he has to say yes. So so three meals a day for 30 days in a row. And he does labs at zero uh, at the beginning, at two weeks and four weeks. And he also sees his doctor along the way. And at two weeks, his labs were crazy. They were like bad. And the doctor's like, man, you got to stop this. Kill yourself. Yeah. This is horrible. And then at four weeks, after 30 days, the doctor assumes, he said, oh, I'm glad you stopped going to McDonald's or whatever. Your labs look normal. And he's like, no, I haven't stopped going to McDonald's. Like, well, your labs are normal. And that's. I would say that's the capacity of the body to even live in the in that survival mode and to cope with it and to to cope with it at a in our culture is still at a high level. People can go to work, they go to school, they they do these things, but even along the way, and we've talked about this many times, the amount of pathology that we see in our children has gone up, that we see in our teens and twenties has gone up, and now forties, fifties, sixties. All of the pathology, like you said at the beginning, we grow that stuff. You know, yeah. ADHD and all that kind of stuff in America, we, we started that. And it's not that we blame X, Y. Now, one in 50 or 60 on the autism spectrum. So do we blame the environment? Do we blame the genetics? Do we blame this and that and the other? And the answer is yes. But if you sort of leave a blanket statement like that, then the exasperated mom who's got a seven-year-old son who can't sit down and do his homework – what is she going to do? Okay. I want to hit on that because I, I want to go back to the supersize guy to hypothesize this. So they took his labs. So did his blood work to see where his cholesterol and his, you know, all that stuff is took it on day one. He eats McDonald's straight for two weeks. They take his, his, uh, his blood, uh, blood panel again. And it's just, it's getting wrecked. I mean, this is having a, right. an adverse effect. Two weeks later, his blood is looking better. 
because his body is 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 struggling Adapting. to adapt. So it did. Now, what would have been interesting to me is on day zero, they had also done a sleep study or a sleep analysis, see how his sleep is. They had done a cognitive test and had him do his best mile time run. And then four weeks later, now his blood normalized. But my guess is, let's look at his sleep patterns. They're wrecked. His sleep is worse. His cognitive ability has lessened. And he's a, mi- a minute or, or more or slower over there. So here we are in that normalized. And so that's where you get the guy. We have friends that still do this. Ah, you sensitive, you know, healthy eater. I've been eating donuts every day and I'm still here. Where are they performance-wise to where they could be? And, and I, I would say... You know, even those who are seemingly producing good things with a very bad, you know, health health wise lifestyle, how much more? Right. That's what it's. That's what. Where could you be? Yeah. Where could you be? And another point on that one is uh, these biomarkers, and and so that is a an, an area of great debate. How much time and money effort would we spend on uh, our Super Size Me Muse guy? You, you know, a cognitive test. We could have also done a bioimpedance analysis and said, what's your fat mass, water weight? You know, what's your lean muscle mass? How did that go? Do a, a mile time, do the cognitive test, and, and, and do any of the inflammatory markers. Uh-huh. And so some of these tests have been done. And one I remember in particular that I like to quote is, and I believe they were looking at um, – TNF alpha or interleukin one or 17 or so, you know, one of these esoteric inflammatory markers that it's too expensive for all of us to get. And what they did, and I think it was McDonald's and some hamburger place, and they simply changed, or they did two things. They did a pre and a post um, of, of real time laboratory stick right now, and it's measurable. So you had a normal piece of food at a fast food joint, and your inflammatory markers went up in response to that. Yeah. And we said, okay, that's, that's, we should see that. And the one change they made was to replace the lettuce with spinach, and it decreased the inflammatory response. Hmm. So we could theoretically say if all of the fast food joints replaced spinach, uh, lettuce with spinach, would chronic health and disease problems in America go down? The answer is Yes, sure, sure. It's we could probably prove that, but people would take the lettuce off, and it wouldn't. It just wouldn't sell. Yeah, I appreciated McDonald's because they. Do you remember the McLean? Vaguely, yeah. The commercial was you keep the hot side hot, you keep the cool side cool, and uh, they had a leaner cut of beef or whatever, just didn't sell. Yeah, and now we've got this confusing Impossible Burger and stuff like that, and it's just we're we're dancing around the edges of. You know, we're trying to eat our cake and and have it too. We're trying to eat McDonald's and have our body keep coping to be at a performance level that we want to be at. Of course, we never know where could we have been if we would have eat, live, think, you know, lifestyle stuff differently. And and hence the show and our our word awareness and talking to, to each other and with people out there to say, think about this stuff. Well, and you a little bit earlier just talked about where did this stuff begin? And it reminded me of you from day one. And you still say this to patients. I hear you all the time. 
like with high blood pressure, you do Mm -hmm. not have high blood pressure because you have a deficiency of high blood pressure medication. Where did we get to thinking that that is just normal somewhere along the line, people did not have blood pressure and then it started. And what's the reason? And we're going to say it's some life causality thing. You know, it's interesting. We're watching, uh, my family has been watching the series pole dark kind of like a Downton Abbey type thing, but Poldark. And I'm noticing there it was the same thing in Downton Abbey that we watched a little bit too, that back there, here's, here we are in, in England at the height of, of things going on there. And yet I noticed what they consistently eat and drink. Now these were some, well, in Downton Abbey, it's a high society, but even in, in Poldark, it shows some of that, but by far and large, man, they had, had drastically moved away from fruits and vegetables. Even to the point of in Poldark, there's a see the dock in there, and he's dealing with people who are all are getting scurvy, like being on ships. And he finally realizes they're eating no, you know, fruits and vegetables, and gets some oranges, and you know, heals mm-hmm. everybody in that in that scenario. But that, how often? I mean, that's where I tend to. Th- and we know that with with people all around the world, when you have the Eskimos up there who eat nothing but whale blubber, you know, their body has worked to survive, not optimum. And where do they have deficiencies? And then we come down and that is all of us. And as we've talked about in the other shows, unfortunately, there's no cookie cutter diet that's best for everyone, but generally all of us, myself included, are standing here with some lacks because of what I am not putting in my body uh, that it needs or what I'm putting in my body, like a seven layer burrito that it does absolutely told me shouted last night. I don't want that. And you know, again, again, the root causes, which is where we all are now. And that responsibility of figuring out what are the root causes? What can I change and alter to give me, get rid of the symptoms I don't want to give me the performance that I do want. Right. And that, I think some people would hear you say that and, immediately get overwhelmed it's over it, it, it is overwhelming it, it, now it's just what i was going to say is don't get overwhelmed that's you know it, it it is overwhelming you cannot perfectly figure this thing out mm-hmm. you know we don't know what we don't know and that doesn't mean that everybody has to go get a phd in chemistry in order to make breakfast mm-hmm. right that's that's just not possible and we live in a society where here's what you can buy you know and part of the problem with you know the old in in and uh, the old time in Britain is, well, how do you get a lime? And that's why they were called yeah. limeys, you know, is what does that mean? And, and I think we've lost touch with what those people were living like. And, um, and I thought you were going to bring that back to your daughter because a great example of yeah. that is, is theoretically, I'm so we'll conjecture here, the American Indian grew up over hundreds of years in the plains following the buffalo, not a whole lot of fruits and veggies there either. Yeah. Um, and were thriving in a in a place where there was a, a lot of fasting because there were times of famine and there was yeah. winter and that kind of thing. And then, so their genetic predisposition and the development of that, you know, this group of people was designed then to thrive on, you know, jerky and and be okay. Then when modernization came along and you have this this subset of people whether it's Eskimos who survive on blueberries in the summer and whale blubber all winter, and then you sprinkle a little bit of white bread and Diet Coke in there, and it just wrecks the system, you know, obviously. And 
for many other people who came out of this European tradition or whatever in the white bread and all this other kind of stuff kind of was in there slowly and all of that. There's a different manifestation. And like you said, that's all of us. We've got your daughter over here as an example of, oh, my gosh, she just genetically, through no fault of her own or whatever else, she will have to be very careful. Our society will say, why are you being so strict? Oh, my gosh. Why are you depriving yourself? And yet over here, they don't say that about, you know, why, why, why don't you have an affair every now and then? You know, why do you have to be so strict in your marriage or you were close every day? Why not go bankrupt why, every few years? What's yeah, the big why deal? don't just spend your money and try that bankruptcy thing out, see how that happens? We just don't do that. And yet when it comes to food and drink and these other things, now we're back to what you said about with our muse in the church. There's this aura around it that we were not allowed to talk about it, not allowed to blame people on their choices, not allowed to do that. But in the very next breath, we'll blame an alcoholic. Sure. We'll blame a sexaholic. We'll blame a you know workaholic or whatever and, and provide, hey, there's rational reasons why you should get out of that. And we just don't talk about the number one well, drug in America. And we've even seen it with, you know, back to the finances. I have seen this, you know, both of us have in the churches where, you know, that wasn't a, a made up story where you pray for somebody, maybe help them out with their electric bill once or twice. But when it's the third or fourth time, you finally go to the guy or gal and say, look, what's happening with, are you pursuing work? How are you spending your money? Can we get you in a financial peace? I mean, you don't Give accountability. You don't subsidize it forever. Health. Uh, look, we, we, we are subsidizing in our country. Mm-hmm. A lot of bad choices. It's enablement care. And, you know, we've been talking about food primarily, but we can say the same thing with an active or sedentary lifestyle. And where was that, you know, in our history? I'll never forget a, a girl saying at our home, she was just sharing about her family, says we were a running family. It's just kind of what we did. And I thought, ah, I want to be that. You know, you're, you would say you're a sports family. You guys do soccer and stuff. Our family now is a running family. And so uh, my kids, every other day, they're, they're, they're running the other days they're doing resistance stuff. And I'm making that, I love making that a part of the expectation of their life. And yeah, for my little uh, native American uh, daughter who was um, not taken well, uh, good care of for the first three years of her, of her life, man, she struggles to be active. Like she's so much better uh, with that, but we have food, man. She craves the empty carbs. Uh, we don't give them to her and she's doing so much better on every front, but man, the mentality is that, that, that hard wiring is up there. She's going to be dealing with it she all will. her life. She's always going to be more sensitive to the, to the, to bad foods than my other kids are. Uh, she is, I think always, uh, it looks like it so far. I hope it's not the case, but she may struggle with weight. It feels like she has some predispositions to being a little heavier, um, I, you know, on and on and on. So she's going to have those struggles exist. That, and that's not her fault. Those aren't her fault. Well, know? I was just going to say that she, like we learned about from Dr. Warren, she will, maybe she will struggle with weight and those kind of things, but her chances at dealing with this are better sure. because she can look back and say, okay, here's why. Mm-hmm. And it makes sense. And it's my, it is her lot in life that she has an American Indian genetic heritage. That's just the reality. It's not her lot in life that she has to eat a certain way or this or that. She has control over that. That doesn't make it any easier or harder. And my muse for this discussion to make it a little bit facetious, but if somebody is very uh, uh, light-skinned, I've never heard anybody just lament the fact that they have to wear a hat. 
or they have to wear SPF 50, right? We don't think that way. They just adjust their lifestyle, which to that person, I wear a hat. Mm-hmm. I put some sunscreen on at the beach or I don't go to the beach. Mm-hmm. But here over on the other side, it's like, I can't believe, you know, God just wants me to be overweight or it's just, it's just my lot in life. It's genetics. I can't do anything about it. And that's true for that person right then, right there. They have given up their control, their yeah. freedom. I can't exercise because of these aches and pains and, you know, whatever the excuses that, you know, it's. Again, well, and I, 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 that feels bad. So immediately I, I want to speak to the person who's like, yeah, but you don't understand my situation. And I would say, you're right. I don't, but let's get into it. Let's talk about it. Otherwise you will not change. And this is, goes back to, you can be a little weller. So can we, are we saying you can all be at the optimum level, like an Olympic athlete? No, no. way. And I've got kids and some of them are going to have a heck of a lot better opportunity to be an Olympian than some of my others. And they, you know, there, there were back to the, the amount, maybe that, you know, it's not all their fault. They, some of what's happening to them back to your 25, 75, right. we're going to play with that is not their fault. My little girl, it's not her fault, but she can affect change in yeah. So much, whether it's seventy five percent that she can, or what if she's seventy five percent wrecked and she's only got twenty five? Yeah, whatever. Still, you know, back, some change. Back to your thing of of being, you know, uh, physical, physically disabled to some degree. What can you do? I saw a video. Tim Ferriss put it out this morning of a guy skateboarding and he's blind. And it should, and, and, the, and, the, and it was Tim Ferriss. He was like, how can I have any excuse? This dude's skateboarding, you know, with a big long stick and he's figured out how to do it. And he's skateboarding. Think, man, if I, at the least, can I, if I've got aches and pains, can I swim? Can I, what, is there anything I can do to have a little mobility to get some movement in there to help myself? And then of course, you know, much more so I think that we all can on the food side and all the areas that we talk right, about. I was, the input, I was, the output. The, right. Yeah. That there's always something you can do. Mm-hmm. And at the same time, we, 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 we cautiously, we don't use the word blame. Right. It's a wise approach to awareness of the infinite variety of variables that are out there. And then, then with wisdom, you move forward into that. And I'm always asking people, well, what are your goals? You say yeah. human performance enhancement. What is, you know, Olympics is kind of high up there, but maybe I just need to get out of the chair. Whatever they are, can you move forward in that direction? The answer is always yes. Yes. Yeah. So it's not, so that'd be a great, there's a great anchor. It's, it's, it's not, this isn't a show about blame. It's about hope. Yeah. It's, it's to look hope. forward. Hope yeah. is hopefuler uh-huh. <laughs> when you can look back and make it make sense. Yeah. That, that's yeah. kind of the point of today. So there we're going to praise causality and say, hopefully you can accept some because then you can accept that there's some home, a hope that you can make some changes that will help you get, as Dr. James says, weller. Amen. So what do you think, friends? Are you feeling that you're just, you know, monstrously unlucky or maybe just maybe there are things you can do to improve your health? And I think if you're still listening at this point, you believe that is the case. And that's great news. Hey, thank you as always for choosing to listen to the self-helpful podcast. It'd be great if you leave a review about this show on Apple podcasts or wherever you listen. And best thing you can do is take some of it and talk about it, grapple with it, discuss it with someone else. I sincerely hope today I've helped you help yourself.